You're about to listen to the Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders, for coders, about all aspects of life as a developer. I'm Will, the curmudgeonly experienced developer. And I'm Beach, the optimistic newbie developer. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash complete developer podcast. The day has finally come. You've studied hard, worked, and prepared yourself for it. Now it's time for that interview. In this episode, we'll be providing a few examples of mock interviews for you to hear and understand what a good interview sounds like. We'll start with an example of what not to do and then talk about the mistakes made and finish with the good interview and a discussion on why it was good and how to replicate it. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, we had our customer conference last week and it went really, really well. Um, The product I've been working on is basically what clients have been asking for. And, you know, so I got to basically present that. And then, of course, after that, um, you know, I've had a, I've had a lot of stress and pretty heavy uh, work, you know, workload for several months leading up to this. And I can always tell when I'm about to come off of a stressful period, like I know I'm going to get sick. And I did. Uh, one of my coworkers <laughs> brought something in and it was, I s- suddenly like Thursday afternoon, I started sneezing and coughing and, and all that jazz. Went home, um, stayed in bed for like 18 hours straight. Um, other than getting up to go to the restroom and then got up and I was up for maybe five or six hours and went back to bed and slept for 12 or 13. And it was, I'm still at like maybe 70% and it's Monday, you know, after. Um, so, that, you know, basically wrecked my weekend. And now, um, yeah, n- now I'm just trying to get the final things done so that we can actually deliver this product to the client. There were just a few more little bugs that had to be sorted out. And we're working on a CI server. Oh, nice. For work. So, I'm pretty excited about that. So how about you? Well, like you, I was uh, sick this past week. We went to a pretty popular burger joint here in town that I've eaten at before and got sick after eating at it, but I wasn't sure that that was the place that caused it. I'm sure this time, I think they put onion powder in their burgers. Yeah. Like in the in the meat when they make them. So I'm just not going to eat there anymore. Uh, on Saturday, though, I went out to Nashville Software School for a panel discussion um, of junior developers for the free code camp here in Nashville. And so it was me and Aaron, who's been on the show, and then one other junior dev that we know. He was a volunteer uh, at the Music City Code. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I talked to the guy once or twice, I think. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. It was really interesting. We uh, we talked for probably about two hours, answering questions and stuff. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I took our recording equipment out there so that they could have a recording of it. So that was that was interesting. Um, I also found something uh, kind of interesting when I was looking for information on an outline last night. Kind of a Easter egg on Google called Fubar. So as I was searching. The the search criteria kind of fell backwards, like as if it was 3D into the screen, and this message popped up, you're speaking our language, do you want to play a game? <laughs> yeah, I love Google Easter eggs. <laughs> and so, so I clicked yes, and um, it kind of popped up this full screen console and let me log into it with my Google account, and it's like... 
this coding challenge kind of game thing. Have you ever typed in askew yeah. into Google? You know how it tilts the screen uh-huh. slightly? So the only problem with it is that uh, they want the answers either in Python or Java. And I'm not even sure how to find the page again. I bookmarked it, and so I think I can get back to it. But like the first challenge, they give you 48 hours to do, and I'm like, it's it's pretty challenging. It, my first two attempts did not pass the tests. I mean, we're we're talking like level three of the stuff that I create. Ah, yeah, so, for the for the challenges. Yeah. Uh, also, one of my friends from work has been teaching me to play the card game Magic: The Gathering. It's kind of a strategy card game. I don't know if you ever familiar played. with it. Yeah. Um, I think you'd really enjoy it. Uh, today, though, I made my first commitment to the game and bought a starter set with two decks. So sometime you and I can get together and, and play. I maybe I, I don't know. I've known a lot of people that have spent an awful lot of money on oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm told it can Ooh. get rather expensive as you get into like the deck building and buying individual cards and things like that. I don't think I'm going to go that deep into it. Yeah, I just spent money on deck building not all that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a yeah. physical deck. <laughs> yeah, like one that has bees on it right now. Yeah. <laughs> so. I got the starter kit. It was like 25 bucks with two decks that are matched for each other. And uh, my friend from work went with me. He he kind of told me, he's like, well, if you get this one, if you want to treat it like a tabletop game where you just have someone come over and you guys play, this is the perfect thing to get. And I'm like, well, that's exactly what I want. It just, I'm not interested in getting into the competitions and things like that. I just want to play for fun. Yeah. So um, that said, I'm also spending a lot of time on my new laptop. Oh my goodness, it is amazing. Yeah. I absolutely love it. It's really awesome. Yeah, I get a message like once a day. <laughs> this is great. Uh, well, you yeah. told me this would happen. So. Yeah, you're just like over overjoyed. I am. It's kind of funny. But uh, with all that said, uh, we're changing things up a little bit uh, this week, and Will is going to do the IOTs. So let's go ahead and roll the music. So I got a little bit of an interesting IOT thing, and it's it's more military, I guess. Basically, there was a very, very large explosion in an arms depot in eastern Ukraine in March, and they now believe that it was carried out by a small drone, pretty much what you would have consumer grade, maybe slightly better. Oh, wow. And it... Apparently blew up about 70,000 tons of munitions with damage estimates around a billion dollars. Killed one person. And I I think you do remember we were talking about how long before the Internet of Things kills somebody. This was not actually what I meant. Yeah. Because that's like the Internet of Warfare type. Mm -hmm. You know, that that was legitimate intentional warfare. Um, But as far as, you know, the information I found, um, you know, that's – it's basically like they got – $500,000 $500,000 worth of damage for every dollar invested in the drone, which is a pretty good multiplier. And you start thinking about, you know, there's lots of small countries or lots of small groups being able to do this kind of damage. Uh, that's that's pretty significant. The information is not obvi- is obviously not particularly clear. And, you know, we'll get into this, um, you know, in the show notes. Um, but this was better than a, you know, typical precision guided munition. Um, a consumer drone can drop like a, you know, can carry like a one to two pound payload. 20 minute mm-hmm. flight time, right? 
you know, something along those lines. Well, that's not much smaller than what's necessary to do what this did, which was drop a thermite charge into a munitions depot. Um, so, you know, the IOT thing is not, you know, it's not always going to be positive. Um, and that's not any commentary on the Russia Ukraine thing. It's, it's, Hey, there was a billion dollars worth of damage and somebody died. But I just thought that was kind of interesting. And I've, I've got some links um, that I'll put in the show notes. I've found this article initially on Global Gorillas, uh, which is a site about fourth generation warfare um, that I've been reading for ages and ages. Um, and then there's some, there's some other links in there that I'll put in as well. Awesome. So who's talking to us, Beach? Well, we pulled a uh, review off of iTunes from Mike that states, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to, and I listen to a lot. Each and every episode has been very well done and informative. Being new to the field, it is great to have the insight from two very knowledgeable people like Will and BJ. If anyone is looking for a language agnostic or all-around great podcast to listen to, then I would definitely recommend this one. My only concern is that I am going to run out of episodes to listen to soon. P.S. I'm still trying to figure out how much BJ deadlifted, but I'm pretty sure I have a few pounds over him. Well, Mike, uh, I haven't maxed out since that episode, so it might be up some by now. Uh, thanks for the comment. Send us an email to neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com because we've got a water bottle just for you. And if you guys would like a Complete Developer water bottle, leave us a review in iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all our episodes to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Google+. We're also on Path and Tumblr. So, do you want to meet us and, and hear me speak on why your DBA hates your ORM? Come down to Huntsville, Alabama for the DevSpace Conference, North Alabama's premier polyglot technology conference. In addition to me, you'll be able to hear talks on .NET, JavaScript, C++, and plenty more. DevSpace is October 13th and 14th this year. Tickets are on sale now. To get a 10% discount, use the code COMPLETEDEV or follow the link in the show notes. Again, that's DevSpace in Huntsville, Alabama on October 13th and 14th. So this episode is going to be a little bit different from our regular episodes. Instead of following an outline or interviewing a guest, Will is going to put me through two mock interviews. Normally, an interview will take anywhere from an hour to several hours, but to avoid repeating ourselves and in consideration of time, each of these will be about 10 to 15 minutes long, asking 15 questions each. We've broken the questions into three major areas of an interview, the technical or skills questions, educational or how you learn, and interpersonal or how well you get along with the team. In the first interview, I'll demonstrate what a poor interview will be like. And in the second one, I'll show what a good interview would be like. After each one, we'll discuss the interview. And in the first, we'll talk about what I do wrong and how I could improve and done better. In the second one, we'll talk about what I do correct. As you're listening through this, try to pick those things out yourself because that's the kind of the point of the exercise and then see how many of them you, you picked up on because you'll notice as a neutral observer, a lot of things that, that you wouldn't notice if you were in the mix. And that's kind of the point of this thing. Yeah. I'll be honest. Some of the, um, some of the responses are a bit straw man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, once you know how to do something right, it's, it's hard to do it wrong. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. like once you've got that that down, I mean, it's 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 like when I do kettlebell swings. I've done so many of those that trying to show somebody how they're doing it wrong, if I if that occasion comes up, is really really difficult for me. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's just like walking wrong or something. You're, mm-hmm. and so we're we're going to start past the beginning. In other words, you know, you would get your pleasantries and stuff out of the way. You know, this is the meat of the the interview. So, uh, Beach, how expert would you say you are with SQL? Yeah, I'm I'm really good at it. Just so long as I don't have to write really complex queries. So, how would you describe your experience with C Sharp? Been doing it for about two years. How would you explain dependency injection and inversion of control? I wouldn't. You either know it or you don't. What JavaScript libraries or frameworks have you worked with? You know, I don't really get into all that hype about frameworks and, you know, this or that. I just pretty much stick with the vanilla JavaScript. That's all I really need. Explain what iffy is in JavaScript. Well, iffy, uh, well, it's kind of like truthy or falsy, but instead of being true or false, it means that what you're talking about is uncertain. It's iffy. Where do you look when you don't know something? That really doesn't happen very often. How do you keep up with changes in the field? Well, I usually go with the training that is provided by the company I'm working for. What resources do you use for learning? Uh, pretty much the same as the last one, the ones that the company provides me. How do you handle problems you can't solve? I really don't have those kind of problems. What do you do when asked to do something new or different that you haven't done before? Like what? What are you guys doing that's so new and different? What hobbies do you have? None, really. What do you do after work? Oh, by the time I get home, I'm pretty worn out. I just usually eat dinner and watch TV. So, you know, how do you feel about the work-life balance thing? I think that's very important. I think, you know, you, you work when you're at work and you have your own life when you're at home. What about on the weekends? What's with all the third degree here? My time off is my time. What would you say is your greatest weakness? Oh, I'd probably say that uh, it have to be kind of laziness. You know, just, yeah, I, I get the job done, but I'm just, you know, once I'm done with it, I'm done. Where do you see yourself in five years? You know, I'm honestly hoping to get my foot into the industry here and then probably move on to something a little bit bigger. Do you have any questions for me? No, not really. So this was, you know, pretty much a rapid fire set of questions because we wanted to kind of establish the tone of how a bad interview goes. You notice how, how quick it was and how compressed it. Now, before we get into the details, I want the audience to think about listening to what Beach said and assuming, you know, pretend like you didn't know him before. What would be your impression of him? I hope he made a bad impression on you. If not, um, if he if he did make a good impression with those kind of answers, um, please email me because I can hook you up with so many developers <laughs> that will work for you. <laughs> like, you know, I'll only charge like a two hundred dollar recruitment fee, non refundable, um, <laughs> and uh, I'll hook you up with as many as you want because I can find lots of them. Oh yeah. So we're going to break these down and talk about the technical, educational, and interpersonal questions, starting with the the technical. We're just going to kind of go through that first question that Will asked me, how expert would you say you are with SQL? Yeah. Uh, if you're not an expert <laughs> in an area, it's okay to say so. Talk about what you can do and avoid talking about what you can't. Yeah. I mean, going, I'm really good at it. Um, so long as I don't have to write complex queries in it, 
That's like saying I'm okay, I'm really good at swimming so long as I stay in the shallow end. Yes. Or um, you know, I I, I just like that caveat right there is almost it, that's such an in your face almost lie. Yeah. That it really really puts a bad tone on the whole thing. It starts it off bad. Yeah. And 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 Beach had a really hard time recording this by the way because like the cringe factor recording <laughs> that was just very difficult for both of us. Oh yeah. Yes, and there's a couple of times I we had to pause for me to fall on the floor laughing giggle. yeah, yeah. Can, can i at least have a manly laugh instead of a you had girly... a manly giggle okay that works so the next you're like hee 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 let's go cut some trees down <laughs> sorry with our bare hands right it was a manly giggle the next question describe your experience with c sharp this is a chance for you to show off what you've done and not just say the amount of time you spent doing a certain thing yeah like basically expressing something in units of time it's okay when you talk about how long it took to cook a cake or how long it took before you got out of prison professional stuff maybe not so much it's okay to say that so long as that's not all you say yeah because i mean i'll 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 happily chime in and go hey look i started using c sharp with the first public beta and i've been doing it ever since i've done WinForms, i've done wpf i've done silverlight i've done uh, web forms, mono, MVC, web API, Windows services, the compact framework. <laughs> I'm trying to think what else I've done. Yeah. You know, like when you get into that kind of stuff and you can, and you can express it that way, like there's a reason they ask you an open-ended question. It's so this that you get an ch- open-ended answer. Yeah. This is a chance for you to brag a little bit or even tell a story Yeah, about something you've done. The next question, how would you explain dependency injection and inversion of control? Yeah, and the answer you gave, I mean, to some degree that is true <laughs> because the way of the way to explain that is pretty much you just do it and you yeah. show somebody the benefits and then they then it clicks. This yeah, but this was a little bit of a straw man. Yeah. You know, when I wrote that that response, but it does illustrate that you should avoid kind you, of arrogance in your answers. Yeah, you explain it the way Iron Man would explain it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. <laughs> that's not really you know, nobody wants to work with Iron Man. <laughs> the, the attitude here is one that shows an unwillingness to work with non-technical team members, really. Yeah. So, um, so the next one was, uh, what JavaScript libraries or frameworks have you worked with? And your answer to that was, you know, I don't get into the frameworks and stuff. I, I just use vanilla JavaScript. Well, I mean, I've seen some pretty hard stuff done in vanilla JavaScript. Just telling me, oh, I use vanilla JavaScript. That doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence. I mean, the other thing doesn't either, but yeah. coming at it like a hipster, you know, like I, like the next thing I, I expected was for your beard to get a little bit longer and you to hold up an IPA and tell me about a band you, I've never heard of. <laughs> uh, the, the answer was a bit smug. Yeah. And it also av- There's a cloud of smug. It, it completely avoids the real question. What they're looking at is where you are. Yeah. Because your answer to that would be, jQuery and Knockout and maybe some React. I've played with React. Um, My jQuery, Knockout, Angular, React. Oh, that's right. You've uh, been playing with Angular. Durandal, Meteor. Yeah, <laughs> I forget about Meteor. So I, in my sales, answer, well, I played with some stuff in sales, but that's not really front end as much on that. And we'll talk about sort of what my uh, my real answer to that is in just a little bit. And then the final question in the technical interviews is explain 
what if he is in JavaScript. And all right, this was another straw man. Like I, I, I wrote this question specifically to give it a straw man because because it sounds like truthy and falsy. Yeah. But it's spelled differently and it, it just it's a great way to show someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. Right. You know, if you don't know an answer, it's okay to admit that you don't know. Yeah. Some interviewers, uh, myself included, will look for that. Yeah. And we'll keep hitting you with harder stuff until we get something that you don't know. Yeah. When I interviewed for the permanent position that I have was with a group of senior developers. And like my first interview was with the manager and we geeked out about computers and they were just hiring a, a contractor that they could easily let go. But when they're hiring me on permanent, it was, you know, we had some serious stuff, but they kept pushing until I admitted, all right, I really haven't ever worked with that. Yeah. Um, of course, they've, every single one of them, I've been work, I'd been working with them for a few months as a contractor. They'd all had me come to them and ask for help with one thing or another. So they knew how I responded to that. You know, if I didn't know something, how I looked it up and then went and asked questions. Yeah. But, you know, they, they still had to do it formally as part of the interview. The next group of questions are the educational questions. Yeah. So if, if somebody goes, where do you look when you don't know something? Um, going, that doesn't happen very often. Um, that makes you look try hard. Yeah. Um, because if you're, if you're doing anything that challenges you, you you're going to run into stuff you don't know. Yeah, like I'm nobody, on Google all day. Oh, yeah. Nobody knows everything. I mean, good grief. I talked about an Easter egg I found on Google looking stuff up in the intro. Yeah. You know? um, but nobody knows everything. There's always more to learn about what you're doing. Even the experts continue learning. What I would suggest, and this is something that I did, is I had some planned resources. Because I knew this question would come up. Right. So I just had some in my mind. All right, what are the resources that I use? Google, Stack Overflow, Code Project, uh, Reddit. W3Schools. W3Schools. Um, Moz.com, if it's SEO mm -hmm. stuff. There, there's always... Uh, you, know, you can just go read the RFC for something if you for some reason, feel like doing that. Um, so the next two questions are kind of... They're the similar. same. Yeah. How do you keep up with changes in the field? And what resources do you use for learning? Yeah. And and saying that, okay, I, I just use whatever resources you give me, that tells me as a potential employer that you have no drive. And I know you, know, you and I both have been in discussions with people at various points in the last four or five months that have said, oh, well, the employer should provide training. Um, and I'm here to tell you as an interviewer that if I hear this out of you, that that is, you know, it, it is reasonable to expect the employer to provide training on the stuff the employer is interested in. They're not going to provide you training on stuff that is going to get you hired off somewhere else. Because exactly. that's stupid. It's also extremely stupid to tie your training in your career to what your employer wants to train you in because they may want to train you in ADA because, mm -hmm. hey, they're doing contracts for the military and they're maintaining old systems well that's fine but you can't go anywhere else and this tells me that somebody is extremely lazy complacent yeah complacent is you know they it's it's not you know like there's the concept in finance of the golden handcuffs you know it's like the mm -hmm. ceo that's that he's making enough money but he's spending so much that he can't leave his current job yes um that it's sort of like a golden comfort blanket <laughs> for people uh, you yeah. know it's like the best way to put I, it i like that it's That's like good. they're it's like they're uh was it linus not torvalds but like linus from peanuts you know dragging yeah. the the blanket around you know to comfort him and it's it's that 
This mm-hmm. is somebody that won't go outside their comfort zone. So the next one was, how do you handle problems that you can't solve? Yeah. So I don't have those problems. That tells me that you're not growing. And, and people go, well, that's not that big a deal. You're hiring me to do a job. Well, this is an industry that changes fast. And if you're telling me you're not growing, what you're really telling me is, is I'm buying you high and selling you low. Yeah. Effectively, right? Like I'm bringing you on board at the peak of your expense and your value is going to plummet while your salary does not. This is also an example of arrogance and an unwillingness to admit that you don't know something. So it may be that you actually do go out and do stuff, but you don't want to admit not knowing things. Right. And there's there's that kind of fear. And this is this is an extreme example of that. But there's that fear. I don't want to admit to the interviewer, the person that's going to be hiring me, that I don't know things, that right. I have to look things up. Well, it also reflects a few other things as well, in my mind. It reflects that the interviewee, the interviewee has got um, a scarcity mindset in regards yeah. to jobs, which tells me that they don't get a lot of opportunities, and it makes me wonder why. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the final question under the educational is, what do you do when asked to do something new or different that you haven't done before? Yeah. And Beach's answer is perfectly flippant. And it's the one that every single one of us wants to give when we're asked this, this question in an interview. Yes. But you can't do it. Um, <laughs> oh, and it's like, like what? What are you doing here that's new and different? Oh, you have a CRUD app with a web interface. <laughs> yes. You know, like, I mean, because everybody <laughs> that has that and, answer. And I really, I really enjoyed that answer, but that's not the one you want to give, right? Yeah, because you, it's you confrontational. Want, it's, it's confrontational, it's defensive, and you want to avoid getting defensive in the yeah. interview. And you want to avoid them getting defensive. Right. So the next set is the interpersonal. The first question there is what hobbies do you have? And the answer of none, really. Okay. Do you remember the movie Three Kings? Vaguely, you know, there's the guy that he's, you know, they're they're talking about, you know, what they did before the war, and this was in the Gulf. I think it was said in the first Gulf War, and you know, the one guy's like talking about, you know, handling baggage and all this kind of stuff at the airport, and then another guy talks about, you know, his life. I think selling cars or something, and then there's like the third guy, and he and he's like, yeah, I didn't do much, but it like cuts to a video of him with like stuffed toys on top of a car, shooting them off with a shotgun. <laughs> And that's what I think when you say, I don't have any hobbies. <laughs> okay, that's the mental image I have. That is awesome. I, I got to go watch that movie again. <laughs> like that, That's, that's always what's that? in my head now. It's like, yeah, I didn't really do anything. <laughs> because it's like, okay, you're doing something shameful. Because what do you do when you get home? I, I, I just, I can't. You know, like you're giving me an empty screen to project on. So don't do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, also, you should have some hobbies outside of work. And this is interesting because I was talking about this with some of my friends at work today. We actually had to come into the office for a meeting. And so when we were sitting there deciding where to go to lunch, we were also just kind of chatting. I brought up the questions like, hey, here's some questions that we're going to ask. Because one of the people there um, has a history in human resources and doing and interviewing before she got into programming. And so I wanted to get her opinions on some of them. One of the guys that's kind of more on the social awkward shire side, he's been there for a while and he's like, I don't know how I'd answer that. I'm like video games and it's legit to say you're a gamer. Yeah. And like that, there's like gamer sports networks. The owner of the company where I work is big into real time strategy games. Yeah. 
And so, like, I mean, that was one of the questions he asked when I was interviewing there. Is what you know? Oh, you, you play video games? I'm like, yeah. You know, I you know I, I tend to get more towards like dungeon crawlers and like you know automation type you know yeah. games that are probably more I guess appropriate for for programmers or typical. What but, does it say about me that I like first person shooters <laughs> and <laughs> Minecraft? I like Minecraft. Yes, as a job as a postal employee or a minor bureaucrat might be fine for you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm on the right track. <laughs> but, you know, the, the big deal with this, when they, when somebody asks you what your hobbies are, is they want to know about you as a person. Um, you know, do you have a life outside of work? And, uh, because people that don't, the, the thing I tend to think about that is what kind of behavior am I going to see out of this person? Like, are they going to have major just like downturns and burnout because they don't have other things going on in their life? Yeah. And that kind of leads into the, the next few questions, which are, what do you do after work and what are your thoughts on work-life balance? I mean, what you do after work will be topics of conversations with your coworkers. And when you're in the interview process, they're looking for a good fit for the team. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how, um, you know, how something that you find interesting, that's just like, you know, your thing, you know, if it's, if the interviewer is not interested in it, okay, that's neutral. Um, Mm -hmm. They're very rarely just, totally against it yeah well Uh, say for example one of the things i always say you know talk about hobbies is motorcycles yeah you know and i i like to ride my bike and you know tinker with it work on it stuff like that i guess tinker is really not the right word to use with a motorcycle but yeah i like to to modify it's like giggle really yeah Yeah. you don't giggle with a motorcycle you don't tinker so when i interviewed the uh, initially for my job the the manager that i had didn't it wasn't into motorcycles or anything, but his boss is. Yeah. And of course I, you know, I didn't interview with him or didn't talk to him at all. Well, it's preemptive networking. And I didn't find that out until when I, after I'd been hired and I was introduced and it was like, this is BJ. He's the guy with the podcast. He also likes to ride motorcycles like you. Yeah. And it was, it was an introductory. I mean, it's extremely valuable for that. Um, And the other thing it can do is, you know, if, if you have a hobby that they don't like, that can also tell you, hey, maybe I don't fit in here. Yeah. You know, even if everything else is right. It's true. Um, you know, don't underestimate the value of that. So I threw a question in about work-life balance. Yeah, that wasn't in the outline. It wasn't in the outline, but uh, the spirit came upon me. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, this is something that has come up a lot in the last five or six months. You and I both have conversations with people and I find this extremely frustrating. Like I get the point of work-life balance. It is, Hey, I don't want to overwork. Although I, I find that the same people that go, I don't want to overwork. Never say, I don't want to overindulge in life outside of work. Mm-hmm. What they're really saying is, is work limit, not yes. life, you know, work-life balance. Um, and that tends to be the thing that they're harping on. I, I have to caution you that the way that you put this you know it's one thing to say okay i i work so that i can live you know this is how Mm -hmm. i fund my hobbies this is how i fund my life and i do want to have time for a life i think most people get that Um, but when you when you start protesting that well you know i should never have to work late or never have to work on a weekend or whatever you know an employer is going to look at that if you're you know especially here in america you know i mean there's overseas there's different laws right but what they're going to look at that as is, okay, if we're in crunch mode and there's a crisis, I can't depend on this person. Exactly. Um, and that, you know, you're probably not going to be asked to do all that much, if anything. Mm-hmm. But 
coming out there and going, I'm completely unwilling to do that at any point. You know, you're willing to take a personal call at work. So you, you should be okay with the occasional um, crunch mode situation. I just came off of one that's been several months long and they never asked me to work over. But, you know, I was lead on the project and I did. Where I work, you have to get approved to work over. Right. And it's usually the developers saying, hey, may I work over? Right. Because we need to get this done. And very rarely does it ever not get approved. Yeah. The other thing I, I see when I, when, especially with software developers, um, in this industry, you have, you know, I forget what it is. It's like a five-year half-life or mm-hmm. something before people get out because it, it's hard yeah. and the learning curve is hard. And what what I tend to see a lot of out of the people that protest very loudly about work-life balance is that they're getting towards the end of that half-life and they're one of the ones that isn't going to make it. Because they're, you know, they're already going, okay, I, I, I'm a software developer, but I hate it so much. I'm not going to let it leak out any further than what the bare minimum is for me to get by. Mm-hmm. And it, it's an attitude thing more than it is a, you know, work ethic thing. It, yes. it gives a hint because their work, you know, work ethic and how you feel about your work are two totally different things. That's true. And that kind of leads into the next question. What about the weekend? This is another one I decided to go with defensive on for the response. While these questions can be a bit intrusive, you need to avoid the defensiveness. Right. It's really easy to get defensive at this point. What they're looking for here is a way to connect with you. They want to talk to you about more than just programming. Because they want to know that they're going to enjoy being around you. Yeah, like today I went to lunch with one of the other developers and you know, we talked a little bit about programming, but most of it was about psychology. Because he's been, he's interested in it. He's been watching some videos, 400 level courses and had questions for me because that's what my background is in. Yeah. I mean, okay. So, and and we're going to do one eventually on like character building and story arc at a personal level. This is part of that. Yeah. If you ever watched a movie where there has been a kind of one-sided villain, you know, it's like this character is always evil. There's no complexity this character is always good. There's no complexity. Well, what happens? Everybody hates the movie because we know real life isn't like that. And it's the same thing when you go, well, I'm just a developer, right? And this this is really the other side of the work-life balance discussion. Mm-hmm. Interesting you say that because just the other night I finally got around to watching Maleficent. Yeah. Um, it was okay. Yeah, but it, it, it was interesting. It's It kind of feeds into a, this fad of, I think it started with maybe Wicked or something with the seeing things from the villain's perspective and all these right. classic movies and stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's strange that that's the metaphor that we use for it, but I mean, this is legitimate. Like it, yeah. it shows that you, that you're not just a flat character. Exactly. Cause nobody wants those because we all know that that's a lie. Mm-hmm. The, the next couple of questions are, they were a little bit straw man for this, but uh, what would you say is your greatest weakness now? Laziness. Okay. So here's the thing. I've heard I've heard it said that programmers, you know, the greatest attribute to have is laziness. But the way that they explain laziness is not really laziness. It's planning ahead and systems thinking. Yeah, I've been told I'm not allowed to say I'm lazy at work because I'm not. Right. You know, like, yeah, I'm told to say I, I have to now say I'm efficient. And you well, know who well, said it. <laughs> well, and <laughs> I agree. I agree with him. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason is, and I used to refer to myself as lazy as well. Yeah. And that, well, I got it from you. Yeah. And it's not, yeah. Cause it's, I mean, it's been a change just in the last year or so. Yeah. And it's not laziness. I'm, you know, I work close to 70 hours a week between all the things I do. Mm-hmm. I'm not lazy. 
but what I do try to do is if I have to hit something, I make sure it stays hit. And or if I have to hit something multiple times, I make a system that hits it for me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> so, so that I don't have to come well, back to it. That's not laziness. Uh, the thing about this question, you see this question a lot. Almost every interview I've been in, in technology or out of, has had this question. This is like your quintessential HR question. And this is this is a tricky question. While honesty is good, you want to avoid too much or detrimental honesty. Yeah, or oversharing or you want to avoid being a flat character. Yeah. The same way. And look at how I answer this question in the good interview for how to be honest in a positive fashion. I've actually this is my typical response to this question and I have been told in several interviews, how impressed they were with my honesty on that question. Finally, where do you see yourself in five years? And good answers to this do not include uh, dead, working somewhere else, sitting in your seat, uh, unless you say sitting in your seat after making you CEO. Um, and even then, that's a little risky because that comes across as real cocky. We, we harp on this a lot, but have a plan. If you're a junior developer, talk about how you plan to become a senior developer within the next five years. Yeah. Or, or at least mid-level. If you're a senior developer, talk about you plan on moving up to architect. Talk about what your plan is. If your plan is a longer term than five years, say, hey, I've got a 10-year plan to be at this point. Five years, I hope to be halfway there. Yeah. But talk about your your plan. One thing that we have to do where I work is every year we write down our one-year personal and professional goals. Yep. And our five year. I've worked at places where that was the case as well. Yeah. And not I, recently. Yeah. <laughs> I really like it because I already do that and literally just copy and paste it over because there's no point in changing it. Yeah. And the final question is one that you hear at the end of every interview asking what questions you have. Right. And no is not the correct answer. Yeah. Um, Always have questions for the interviewer. Yeah. And, and part of this is it shows that you're paying attention. Like this is a way to show to show that. And it also shows what you value. But the other big thing is, is this is a way to, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the term assume the sale. Um, you get that in like a sales context of, okay, I'm not going to assume that I'm trying to still convince the client. I'm going to say, okay, given that you're hiring me, what happens here? This is this is the the idea of you you don't want to put the idea in their head that that you're not hired or that you've not made the sale. You talk in terms of when you get this, do you want it in black or blue? Right. You know, and I've seen salesmen do this very poorly. Yeah, I have especially too. recently as I've been looking for a car. <laughs> it's just like. Yeah, no thanks, bye. The salesmen that do that very poorly or people that read about uh, NLP, not natural language processing, but neuro-linguistic programming on some uh -huh. forum and then just go try to do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, those guys are hilarious because you can always pick them out. when Once you know what those techniques are, mm -hmm. they just they stick out like a sore thumb. You know, there, there's also, there are a few generic questions that you can ask like about the work environment or you can look up the company. And have some questions prepared before you go in. Yeah. And I would definitely um, do both. Yeah. Well, you and I both take notebooks into interviews and yep. write down questions as we go along. There have been times, and I've had interviews where it was so much of a back and forth that they answered my questions as we went through it. And we get to the end of the interview. I'm like, well, 
they asked, do you have any questions? Like, not really, because I asked them as we were going along and yeah. the other ones that I had, you've already answered. And sometimes I'll tell them, like, this is what I wanted to know. And you've already answered that. Right. I mean, if you get to the end and you don't have any questions, but you ask them all during the interview, that's fine. It's when you get to the end and you still don't have any questions and you didn't ask them during the interview, that tells you you weren't in control of the process as a equal player. Exactly. And that's weak sauce. Like, Mm -hmm. you may get the job, but you won't get the pay rate. Now we're going to do a good interview or an example of one. Same formats, actually same questions. But before we get started, I'm going to grab another beer. So, how expert would you say you are with SQL? Well, I have some experience with basic SQL, such as creating tables, select queries, and a few basic joins. But most of the work I've done has been on the API level using an ORM. So, I haven't really delved into SQL very much. So, how would you describe your experience with C Sharp? This is where I've spent most of my time the last few years. I have some experience with WinForms, but my focus has really been on ASP.NET. I've done a little bit with MVC, but even within ASP, it's been pretty much web API building, um, mostly endpoints for like an Angular front end. Uh, I've also actually converted some older VB code into C Sharp. Oh, I've only done that once and <laughs> yeah, that was tough. How would you explain dependency injection and inversion of control? These terms are often used interchangeably, though dependency injection is sort of a form of inversion of control, where instead of a class going out and finding its own dependencies, you pass those in when calling the class. And this allows for more distinct code segments, and it really helps out with unit testing a lot. What JavaScript libraries or frameworks have you worked with? Most recently, I've been working with AngularJS, using both the controller model and the component model. More of the latter, as I've been researching sort of Angular 2, 4, and uh, looking to move to that. So uh, the component model is more, it's more similar to those versions of Angular. I've also used some jQuery, and when I started, my mentor was kind of mean and required me to do everything in vanilla JavaScript. Up until I had to write, (laughs) uh, we had a client uh, that was having trouble deciding on a font. Like he just, he could tell us everything he didn't want when we'd show him one, but he couldn't say, oh, I want it to look like this or like that. So I wrote some JavaScript that went to the Google fonts and pulled everything that didn't match his criteria and presented that in an HTML doc. And when he clicked on it, it would just send me an email with the font that he wanted. After seeing that and then another uh, calendar app that I had written, in vanilla JavaScript, my mentor was like, all right, look, it's so much easier to do this with jQuery. You're ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, explain what iffy is in JavaScript. Well, I know that it stands for immediately invoked function expression, though that's really about it. Um, I believe it has something to do with anonymous functions in JavaScript. I can look it up. I'm just not that familiar with the term. Where do you look when you don't know something? Well, I usually start with Google and then end up on Stack Overflow. Most of the time, that's where it takes me. A lot of times, if I have trouble understanding it, though, I might find a tutorial or I'll ask my mentor. A lot of times I'll come to him and say, hey, this is what I looked up. I don't really get what they're talking about, and he can explain it to me. How do you keep up with changes in the field? Well, I'm a big fan of podcasts. I have several that I listen to when driving or walking my dog. I also have a Pluralsight subscription, 
and I like to look things up on uh, W3 schools and a few other places. What resources do you use for learning? Well, like I said just a minute ago, I love listening to podcasts. I get a lot of ideas on things to look up from there. So I'll listen to a show and they'll be talking about some new technology or something, and then I'll go and research it further. I like to use that as sort of my, is this something I'd be interested in learning more about? I also have a Pluralsight subscription. I use W3 Schools. Sometimes I get on Stack Overflow or Quora and just read through answers. How do you handle problems that you can't solve? Well, I start off by breaking it down into smaller functions. Then if I need to do something that I don't know how to do or I've never done before, I'll usually look that up. Again, starting with a Google search. I mean, it's what I think everybody does. But uh, And if that doesn't work, I'll look for a tutorial on the topic. If all else fails, I'll phone a friend. But usually I can find it either on Stack Overflow or if it's something a bit more complicated, there's probably a tutorial or a course on Pluralsight about it. What do you do when asked to do something new or different that you haven't done before? I usually try to start with a blog or tutorial about it. For example, when I was learning to do MVC, I didn't know where to start and I like to build things. So I went and found this really awesome how to build a blog tutorial using MVC and in Hibernate and a few other technologies. And I just followed that all the way through. And then I went back and tweaked it, did little upgrades and little changes just to learn new things as I went along. I also will look stuff up on Pluralsight or Udemy to see if they have a course on the topic that I can take. So what hobbies do you have? Well, I really like hiking, though. I don't get to go near as often as I'd like. Just I keep pretty busy. Um, uh, I take my dog out a lot, uh, spend a lot of time with him. He likes to go hiking, too, so... We do that when we can. I have a motorcycle. I like to ride that and make modifications when uh, when I can. Spend a lot of time with my family and uh, and friends. I also go out and play trivia about once a week. What do you do after work? Well, there's an evening hiking group that I've been wanting to get into. I haven't done it on a regular basis. I'm hoping that uh, I can start doing that about once or twice a week. I also go to trivia with a group of junior developers. It's not... Uh, Development trivia is just sort of general trivia. We do that once a week, and I try to spend a few hours learning something. So how do you feel about work-life balance? That's a tricky question. It's, it's hard to define work-life balance. I'm definitely work time is work time and personal time is personal time. But that doesn't mean that if I have an emergency at work, I can't give up some personal time. Just like if I have a personal emergency, I may have to take some time off work. Um, what about on the weekends? What do you do then? Uh, that's why I like to get out on my bike, uh, especially if it's not raining. My dad and I go riding a lot. He has a bike too, and so we, we enjoy that. I also like to take my dog out to the park. Um, and I'm an avid reader, so if the weather's bad, I might just stay in with a good book. What would you say is your greatest weakness? Mm, I always get asked this question. <laughs> it's like the, the most common question in an interview, huh? But uh, I can get a little defensive at times. Yeah, I take a lot of pride in what I do and what I build. It's something that I've been working on since I was younger. And I like to think that I'm pretty good at recognizing it when it happens and kind of cooling off before responding to people. Where do you see yourself in five years? Well, I'd like to be moving my way up the ladder, so to speak. Uh, when I get the job here, I'd hope to be moving from junior into either a mid or senior level position. So do you have any questions for me? 
Yeah, I, I do. I kind of wanted to ask you about the setup of the office. Will I be in a cubicle or is it, you know, a group office, how that works? Um, yeah, so you, we have an open floor plan with a foosball table right behind you. Um, and we have a no headphones rule because we like to keep, you know, everybody uh, synergistic. Really interesting. That's that's a unique style. Um, thank you for this interview. I'll be in touch. <laughs> the next question is, where's the bathroom? And you just leave. That's <laughs> pet peeve of mine is foosball tables. So, I, I, you know, the... The good interview, you probably listening, you probably got a better impression of BJ. Yeah. From that, it humanized him um, instead of making him a one-dimensional figure. And that's 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 a big part of it. The other part of it is it was open-ended. You know, that interview lasted longer. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot more information exchanged and a lot more potential for building bridges between you and the other person. Right, well, starting off with the, the technical questions, you notice that all of those answers – had explanations and details in them. Even the the final question, which was the one that I chose to be my I don't know question, Will and I had a little joke um, at the end of that because he, he seemed surprised that I didn't know the answer to that. And I had to explain... I'm, I'm acting. I'm acting. I know the answer. I just chose this as my I don't know. But you see how I said what I did know about it and then stated... This is as much as I know. I can guess from here where this goes, but I'd have to look up to know more. In the other questions, you saw how I discussed specifics on what I'd worked on, what I had done, and also talked about stories, about things that I'd built and things I'd done with those technologies. I, I turned it into a narrative. And and you, you also kind of, um, by giving more detail you give the other people opportunities to say things that get the conversation going. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, like a quest- question and answer session in an interview is really not all that great. Oh yeah. You guys should have seen Will's face because this one was almost worse than the initial one. He, he wanted to ask further details. I could see it in your, yeah. You're like, and I know I, the answers. <laughs> yeah. That's the, you know, that's the thing is that it prompts that. And that's the natural human response. Mm-hmm. So you might as well use that. Yes. In the educational The big thing that I did here was I mentioned specifics. You know, I I kept it kind of general with podcasts, mainly because we want to keep the content a little bit evergreen. But, you know, I got specific into the resources that I use. And I talked about, okay, I would look things up here. I would find a tutorial on Pluralsight. I would look this up on W3 Schools. We kind I'd of over tutorial on Plural Site. Yeah. After I found it on W3 Schools. Yeah. <laughs> I've done that before. Yeah. <laughs> and then I would go to Stack Overflow and read about a, a uh, you know problem and then figure out how to solve it on Plural Site. <laughs> we did hammer that pretty well, but yeah. uh, that's I mean you and I both are big time Plural Site fans. It's, yeah. Um, we're we're big unexpected. Plural Site and Stack Overflow fans. Uh, we should have John Skeet on here at some point. <laughs> yeah, to answer our questions. Just yes. be like, hey, you know, this is sort of like Stack Overflow. You'll be fine. We'll have him <laughs> save the princess for us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the final questions were the interpersonal ones. And in this, you saw me kind of open up and talk about what I like to do in my free time. I also kept it pretty generic. I didn't give away a lot of information. 
other than I have a dog, a motorcycle, and a father, which are kind of generic things, but it talks about some of the passions that I have. So if someone else has dogs and, you know, really enjoys dogs, they can have a conversation about dogs. Someone likes hiking, we can talk about that. Someone likes motorcycles, we can talk about that. It's it's almost a handshake protocol for personal interactions, really. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What it comes down to. And I also talked about being a reader at one point. So, you know, someone could also start a conversation about the books that we like to read. It It opens that up so that when you get hired, they can go around and introduce you to people and they know, hey, Will has dogs and likes to go hiking. You know, hey, this is Beach. He likes to take his dog hiking. And then we can get into a conversation about that. Yeah. Hey, this is Will. He's uh, he's not a hipster and doesn't like IPAs regardless of the beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that. <laughs> you know, and you don't like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, and you also answered the work-life balance question a lot better than a lot of people I see um, because it is a hard thing. And you know, I think the reason you did it better was it showed that you'd actually thought about it and you weren't just throwing out pat answers because most people that have been at this a while have really thought about that a lot Mm -hmm. Um, because there is so much pressure in the industry. Yeah, And and the big thing that I wanted to get across in that answer was, and that was one that I hadn't planned. I had to like, I had to think that up on the spot there. Uh, But the, the thing I wanted to get across is, yeah, you can have, a separation of work and home and work and life, but understand that there is some bleed over. There are going to be times where- It's a membrane, not a wall. Yeah. There are going to be times when your life cuts into work. You're going to get sick. Your kid's going to get sick. Your sister's going to have a baby and ask you to come and watch it the last two weeks of her school season. You know? (laughs) That's oddly specific. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) um, you know, you're going to get sick. Your kids are going to get sick. A family member may need help for something. And that's going to cut into your work time. Well, and it, also, and it also shows that you have you have boundaries, but you don't enforce them in a confrontational manner. Right. So, in other words, you're normal. Yeah. The greatest weakness, this is one that I have used several times before. It, I spent a lot of time thinking about this question because this is a question that gets asked in almost every interview. It's something that I suggest you as listeners think about how you're going to answer this question. Yeah. And I mean, you you answered that one pretty well. Um, knowing you personally, I know that's not your greatest weakness. Uh, personally, I know your greatest weakness is coffee stout. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, I mean, we're good friends. We know, you know, we know each other's weaknesses, but yeah. um, you know, the best interview weakness is something that they go, oh, well, that's that's a weakness that I can comprehend and mm-hmm. I can see that in myself and I can see that as, as a reasonable weakness to have. Yeah, and you notice I was honest. I didn't do the, oh, I work too hard thing. I think that is such a cheesy canned response Yeah, that they hear all the time. And if you come up with something different, like they're expecting you to throw out one of those canned responses. You come up with something different, like I get a little defensive at times. It completely throws them off. It doesn't quite flip the script, yeah. as the term is. It's but a pattern interrupt, though. It is. And it's like, they listen, they pay attention at that point. And then they hear about how it's something that I've, you know, I do this because I take pride in what I do. So you put a positive spin on it. And then you talk about how you work to overcome it. Sometimes that is the follow-up question is, okay, well, what have, what do you do to overcome this? 
Right. Which, you if your greatest over- weakness is I work too hard, what do you do to overcome this? I burn out and give everybody the finger and leave. Yeah. <laughs> Which is typically the way that works out. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But, you know, it's like, how do you answer that when you when you give one of those cheesy responses? And when you, you do this one, you answer their next question. So, it kind of, it makes them go, okay, this guy's really thought about this kind of stuff. He's really interested in it. Right. And then finally, the the where do you see yourself in five years? You really want to have a plan. Me as a junior developer, my plan is to move up. I hope to be mid to senior level in five years. I, I don't hope to. I expect to be. That's that is where I'm going to be in five years. And you know, and it also shows that hey, you're not headed out. Yeah. Of the industry, which we didn't, is kind of important. We didn't go too detailed into the. Uh, do you have any questions for me? Because we kind of got goofy there, but uh, yeah, definitely have some questions. Right. And, and you should be able to come up with those during the interview if you're paying attention. Mm-hmm. We've shown both a good interview and a bad one for you to see what you should and should not do when going out for a new job. You know, the idea here was to make you a third party looking in. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we've we've kind of been discussing these things for the last few weeks. And we kind of wanted to go over it again in a little bit of a different format, see if it would stick. Um, if you have any questions about interviewing, send us an email or comment on the website. And I guess that about wraps us up. Beach, do you have any tricks of the trade for us? I do. I do. I want to talk about something that happened to me recently. So when you guys are asking for something for help or you need someone to give you something or something like that, state what you want very clearly. And the reason I say this is my baby sister is pregnant. She's going to have a baby. Woohoo! <laughs> that, that's what pregnant means. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a, that's a legitimate. Yeah. Well, that's that's a legitimate woohoo. Like everybody's excited. It's it's a happy happy occasion. She texted me the other day because she goes to her first doctor's appointment this week to find out when her actual due date is and things like that. And she was concerned because the baby may come early, causing her to not have all of or causing her maternity leave to end before the school year. And she's a school teacher. So she was asking if I could come up for the last two weeks of the school year to watch the baby while she goes to work. And I was like, um, no, I don't have that much vacation time because I just started this job and used all of my vacation time to go on the family vacation last month. Yeah. So I can't. And that was that. And she kind of got upset at me with, you know, because uh, she'd helped me out a few times. And so she was like, you're being selfish kind of thing. And I thought about it. I was like, well, you know, I could come up for maybe a few days or a week. And so I wrote back to her. I was like, well, you know, I might be able to come up for a few days. I'll have a few vacation days then. She's like, oh, that's all I wanted. Or she was like, do you think I meant you to come up for the whole two weeks? It's like, yeah, that's, that's kind of what the message said. said. That's, that's what it said. She's like, oh, no. She's like, I was going to split the time between you and mom and my mother-in-law. And I'm like, oh, well, then yes, yes, I can. Right. Being vague only leads to confusion for everyone involved. If you state very clearly in a precise manner what you want, it allows the other person to evaluate whether or not they can provide it. If she had come to me and said, hey, can you come up for a few days, maybe a week? I would have said, yeah, no problem. Right. But when she said two weeks, I'm like, I know I can't do that. I can't, one, I can't take that much time off work. Yeah. Because you're too critical. Yeah. But also, you know, I don't have that much vacation time to take off. Right. So, 
just when you're asking for things, especially things like that, or from family members, friends, be as specific as you can. So that's all I got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment for us, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed under Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up to our email list, be sure and check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with the news about the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time.